This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. This is really a time capsule piece from the mid-60s, before the counterculture started, when hippies were still guys who smoked cigarettes and told poetry in, in coffee shops in New York. This is when you could still make a movie that was insanely stupid and really meant for elderly people, I guess. It's just a dumb, dumb movie that came out in 1965 um, that we watched. Uh, it's charming in its way. We'll get into it. It's not important. The important thing to remember is that Renfield came out this year, which was also a silly, stupid comedy that will be utterly forgotten. And then in, what, 50 years? Someone's going to do a podcast about it and go, this is so of its time. It's so wacky. Um, maybe you'll be alive to hear it. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I wonder, will podcasts still just be audio in 50 years? Or will they like beam them directly into your dreams like Prince of Darkness? Let's start the show. Oh my God, it's another episode of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm Brian. Lock up your children. This is Chris. I am Eric. <laughs> sounded way too creepy. I don't know what I was trying <laughs> no to say. No one will recognize that. that voice. That sounded like yeah. that sounded like Beetlejuice to me. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, come for your daughter. There it is. Yeah. All right. There it is. It's sort of a pseudo Batman thing. I think Keaton probably just repurposed uh, Beetlejuice for Batman. If I'm being honest, but hey. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. How's everybody doing this week? Amazing. I'm so amazing right now. How are yeah. you? How how are, how are you, Brian? I'm 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 dandy. Uh, this this scintillating conversation tells me that we should get on with the show and do a segment Let's where we talk it. about new stuff we've been watching called the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh shit, it's fresh. This stuff is real. Okay, I'm cheap, and I have a bunch of those those points balled up with Microsoft, where like if you use Bing a certain number of days, you get all these points. I, I used to use it to buy shit, but I don't have any shit I want to buy with that now. So I had a bunch left over. So I got a month's worth of access to Xbox Gold so mm -hmm. that I could jump back onto GTA Online, my old, um, I don't know, nemesis. That <laughs> the thing I liked and hated doing. Since I've been gone, they did a little change to the rules. Okay. They they used to have this uh, uh, death kill ratio that players had, where it was kind of a bragging rights thing that you killed more people sure. than you've been killed. They don't they don't use it anymore in the what? open lobby. There's so no, that means no yeah, KDR. There's, there is, there's a KDR in uh, sessions like like head-to-heads or things okay. where the people agree to it you know but it's not like just you don't just get to bump up your kda by you know killing people who are in the middle of grinding out a mission or something or people who aren't asking for it you know so there's like no the griefing has really gone down mm, okay because there's now no point in just you know fucking people up oh uh, okay and yeah. it is, it is, well, it, here's the funny thing. One, I, I do like it because I hate bullies and I kind of like watching YouTube videos of people going, shit, man, fuck, I can't move, I can't remember, you know, like I'm doing all their belly aching. But the thing is now there's no tension at all. There's like, it's like, <laughs> why am I playing this again? I, I don't worry about anything. I can I can like complete missions to make more money to do what? 
you know, like I, I don't need the money to buy like a better car to keep me from getting whacked while I'm driving down the street. Cause no one cares. It's, it's kind so, of funny how that worked out. Has it just kind of turned into sort of Grand Theft Auto Fortnite then, like where it's just a hangout place and people just have their stuff and they're like chilling with their friends, I guess? Yeah, I guess. Like Ready I mean, Player One? It's like the Oasis? Yeah, but with nothing to do. Yeah. It's like, okay. it's Actually, like, Fortnite it, really is the Oasis, but yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like a city in a desert and <laughs> flying around in junk. And I mean, there are still people you know, like running around griefing each other, but it's not like it turns into a huge like deathmatch revenge struggle. It's just like, oh yeah, huh? So anyway, you know, it's huh. like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's actually more like playing Grand Theft Auto Five, the thing that's not online. Mm. You know, where like after a while you've done all the missions and now you're just driving around a city, going, what now? That game has okay. made so much money like oh, yeah. it's been out for like what seven years and it has been in the top 10 of the sales charts every week the whole time and yeah. then there's the microtransactions like they they have made so much bank on grand theft auto 5 it's disgusting yeah it makes me wonder what they're going to do with six like what is there to do i hope it involves just a a, a wider area you know, like a bit more exploration. Maybe, maybe they can invest more in what they're going to do in year two and year three and year four of the game to expand it because they, it's like they've done everything. There's no place left to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, they literally released that for the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360. We're on PlayStation 5 now. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's how, how much staying power that's been, how long it's been since Grand Theft Auto 5. So, yeah, six better be ridiculously mammoth given the amount of resources and time they've had to make it yeah <laughs> we'll see but then i also saw what they did with uh crackdown three lots of time lots yeah. of money lots of space and all they did was fall apart it's almost like they had too much uh open space to work in that that is mm, yeah <laughs> we'll see so so the big takeaway here is that you've been playing grand theft auto and all you can think about is what they could possibly do for the next one yeah okay. everyone kind of feels that way everybody playing it is kind of like this shit's done what's next you know because <laughs> it's been <laughs> around so for as, as brian said it's been around for so many goddamn years there's nothing left to do yeah. but maybe go play starfield uh, <laughs> is that a segue or no did, did you bother uh, not with yet okay that'll, that'll be the might that'll be some future week i'll explore that but no the other one is i've been getting into david cronenberg uh a bit as of late uh, i don't know what kicked it off but i think i think it's probably a a story in vice about the 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 world of david cronenberg got me going oh yeah what a crazy motherfucker i want to watch more of his films he had a film come out a year or two ago called Crimes of the Future. It's on Hulu. Oh, yes. Okay. Ego Morkenstern and something pseudo. I can't remember how to, what her name is. She, Leah Sadu. Leah Sadu. Thank you. Um, and it's a future where humanity has started to mutate, where we're growing extra organs and we don't feel pain anymore. And so... The world is crumbling as people, uh, I don't know why it's crumbling, frankly, they don't explain why it's crumbling, but there's a whole world of performance art where people cut out organs or do shit to their body because they don't feel pain anymore. And they you know, want to show how cool all this weird, gross shit is that's happening to them. <laughs> okay. And so it's it's a performance art thing. And it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like the 80s New York art scene uh, only with bondage uh but instead the of 80s actual New York bondage art scene for sure had bondage but yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, instead of bondage it, it's it's surgery and you know so it's you can kind of see the metaphor there everyone's getting all horny about organs being cut out of bodies this stuff. is like this is like a, a spiritual successor to crash like the people who were horny about well, car accidents well, I mean, you can't really do Cronenberg uh, without knowing there's going to be some sort of weird body horror yeah. thing show up. That's his deal. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, no, so. no complaints. I mean, <laughs> it is it is David Cronenberg with bells on, is all I'm saying. Right. It's like all of his best impulses. And the whole thing of he's got this whole sort of noir crime thing where they're trying to find a resistance leader. It's like there's a story baked in there that feels very naked lunch in that it's taking place in this mythical, weird, non-existent yeah. city. Uh, it's It starts so great. <laughs> there is so much potential as this thing rolls. A- and I must say, it ends on such a whimper that I cannot recommend this film. It's <laughs> too bad. It That's strings bad. you along so, like, you are so sure this is going somewhere. And then when it ends... When it ended, I was like, what? There's a a feller who's part of a group <laughs> that eats plastic. That's their mutation. They they can feed off of plastic. And he has a son. They'll never die because there's so yeah. much plastic. Oh, well, his thing is like we have we have left so much toxic waste and pollution that it makes sense that our next evolution is to consume it. Okay. And okay. Yeah. So they are making candy bars out of toxic waste. And nice. yeah, and so that's the um, the, the 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 people protesting the the underground the the thing okay. the cops want to stop. I you know there's a that's the cult word. counterculture. The yes, that's okay. good. Uh, and yeah, and, and so Vigo Morkenstern is a guy who does his performance art and Stern. That's his name is Mortensen. Whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. So Virgo Morkenstein is the guy who has shit cut out of his body. And like, while other performance artists kind of get off on this thing, he hates that his body is basically attacking him all the time. And so, yeah, he's, he's working undercover for the cops and, like okay there's there's a story in there too and yeah it just doesn't Kristen so, stewart is is really good in this let me say she is not a main character she's a supporting character but Kristen stewart is so fucking brilliant in this film because she is this repressed but really horny woman who's really into all this surgery shit and the way she does repression is amazing i i would almost recommend it just to watch how she does somebody who is holding back this hard it is so amazing to watch her uh yeah but i i he didn't write an ending that's what pisses me off there's no ending well that's that's the crime of the future he stole the future from you there is no (laughs) future there is no ending Right. So, uh, so you say you you went on a Cronenberg kick. Does it does it just mean you watched his newest movie and then that's uh, it, or have you been his, revisiting others? I've been watching the newer ones that I hadn't seen, like this, and I'd never seen Existence and um, Existence. That's Existence, a crazy one, man. Yeah, Existence that nobody saw Existence. because of Matrix. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. Do, have Have you seen that one, Brian? No, because I saw the Matrix. Would, would you love? <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the Matrix, but basically, it's video games that are organic and like yeah. take over the the user. It's the, the grossest fucking yeah. thing it, I think I've ever seen Cronenberg do, and that includes the fly. very behind on my Cronenberg stuff. Uh, yeah, you yeah. guys should watch uh, Shivers. Have you seen Shivers from 1975? Oh, That's one yes. of his first ones. That's oh, an God, amazing. Yes amazing movie but for for you brian uh if you aren't familiar with it it's it's like this high-tech suburban high-rise of 1975 so that kind of gives you an idea of what the tech is like but the residents are of the of the building are infected by a strain of parasite that turns them into like sex crazed maniacs (laughs) sounds like a trauma film (laughs) and it's very much like a like a like the dangers of a virus kind of thing but it's also like the typical gross out Cronenberg yeah. stuff with the social commentary it's just such a weird ass movie but it's so canadian it's so canadian <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they, watch that one if you can yeah he's got like this great i think i don't know i i kind of split his career into before and after uh the fly it's like he had mm-hmm. just super creep out weird actually maybe the dead zone is like when that he started where it kind of turned, commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And then, yeah, there's a third one where commercial fell apart. And I think that's probably Naked Lunch. But Naked Lunch was so underground. I mean, Dead Ringers was a big deal. but Yeah, that was commercial. Dude. Yeah, but. But Naked Lunch, I think everybody's just freaked out because it's like, it's the unfilmable novel. And he just yeah. kind of did his own stamp on it. And I think it confused people who were hoping for more burrows. But it's like, you can't do that just straight up. Right. You got to do this other stuff. So I like but, it. And, I've always enjoyed the Naked Lunch movie. Yeah. And, and Better Butterfly was the next one after that. That would have been a big movie, but a big flop because it was huge on Broadway. But nobody knows the movie. And then mm-hmm. everything got really weird. But uh, yeah, like the recent ones I've been watching are, yeah, what? Crimes of the Future, uh, eh, Cosmopolis. Oh, and Spider. I remember I saw Spider when it came out. I highly recommend Spider. If you're going to watch a, a later Cronenberg film, fucking yeah. genius film. Just just really good. Um, no, I want to go back to Videodrome at some point, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, we, have we done flesh. a Cronenberg show? Is that something we no, should do? This, this sounds no. like a show idea option at yeah. some point. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then I'm just going to shut the fuck up. Put that in the, yeah. in the <laughs> put a, queue. Put a, put a pin in that one, yeah. dude. Put a, put a pin made out of finger bone into that one and then cover it in <laughs> ooze and fuck it. Yeah. And then have sex with it with yeah. syrup dripping all over your body. Oh, in the and desert. be sure to give yeah. all the tasty details. Mm. <laughs> My mom saw the fly. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> oh God. Oh. Okay. David Cronenberg asked for it by name. Uh this is more directed at you, Brian, mm. uh, than Eric. Because I'm not sure Eric's stance on the uh 80s supergroup. Uh, OMD orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Oh, oh but they've yes. got a they've got a new thing coming out uh, next month. I guess it is. Outhouse uh, staircase. Yeah, which is their new album. But the the lead off single, same said name, Bauhaus staircase, has mm-hmm. been released, mm-hmm. and I've been listening to it a lot. It's really good. I was shocked at how much I'm enjoying it. But it's also very OMD. <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't yeah. make, it doesn't it like doesn't click to me in my brain that this band from the 1980s can still have roughly the same sound but still be more contemporary at the same time Like I understand that they grow artistically in this and that, but you still know it's an OMD song. It's so weird to me. Well, like, the hook's that, really that good. guy has a very specific voice, yeah. right? And, and so for for a Gen Xer, like the singer from from an OMD just sounds like a pining teenager at any time. In, right? In, in, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like forever live and die, that's like the one song. Oh, where so good. I could I could put that on repeat. Uh, as a youngster and it would just i would never get sick of it but Bauhaus staircase has kind of that same sort of flow through i mean the the hook's good the the chorus is good it's just everything about it is just fun uh and i was shocked because i don't remember the last time i actually heard any new omd uh it's been a good 30 yeah, years they've been so they've been still doing stuff but yeah this this definitely seemed like they might be on the verge of being one of those bands releasing an album 20 years later that doesn't suck so yeah we'll see i'm looking forward to it so we'll we'll find out so that's that's been fun uh sort of been the soundtrack to my my week uh can i I make a recommendation to you chris while we're talking about a music thing sure um pick this up off of a podcast but there's a band i'd not heard of called the hold steady have you heard of them? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I heard this and I'm like, okay, if Chris doesn't know about the Hold Steady, Chris will like it. So that was my my recommend. Anyway, continue, continue. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Writing that down now. The Hold <laughs> Steady. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really the only thing that's been occupying my time elsewise is uh, just watching the new season of What We Do in the Shadows, season five. Uh, and it's still obnoxiously good i just the interplay between the characters is getting stronger as each season goes by 
Um, I can't but in believe this one, we're on season five. How the hell? Right? Has that much time? It's amazing. Gone by? Uh, but it's still good. But the, they've definitely gotten more complex with their uh, character interactions, and everything sort of hinges on Guillermo because he really, really wants to be a vampire, but Nandor won't turn him. Uh, everybody shits on Guillermo all the time as the familiar. Well, he's <laughs> he finally went out and he paid another vampire to turn him, but apparently that's a big no-no, so that's the big crux of the, the season, like him <laughs> trying to deal with that. Uh, because if Nandor finds out, Nando will kill Guillermo and then kill himself because that's vampire law, apparently. Uh, but the whole thing is that Guillermo isn't really turning into a complete vampire so he doesn't really have vampiric abilities that he can control so he's sort of a daywalker half in half out and that's just all sort of creates the the conflict for the season but it's really funny and then there's others like all the other stuff with the other characters that i won't go into but if, if you watch the show and haven't watched this one yet then definitely check it out because it's hilarious um, but that also made me go in and start listening to a bunch of Matt Berry's music as just a rabbit hole thing. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to his stuff, but it's like no. very acid jazzy. He did. If you've ever seen Toast of London, the theme song for that is one of his songs. Uh, oh, okay. Called, I think it's called Take My Hand. And I think he also did the theme song for Snuffbox, which is this crazy ass show he did with uh, Rob Fulker from mighty boosh a couple years ago but his songs are just they have these like otherworldly vibe like they're from the 60s sometimes they sound like they're from the 70s he's just making psych pop sometimes it's acid jet it's just recommend really a good. song and for I, me here give me give me something uh, like medicine is pretty good That's one that I had been listening to recently that I just stumbled across. Um, but the Take My Hand, the one from Toast of London, is just like the, the the piano riff is so nice. And then he gets into the rest of it and it's just sort of very melodic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it, okay. I, I came across a an album he has called Music for Insomniacs Part 2. And that's where Take My Hand I think well, I don't think take my hand is on that one, but it's uh it's got a, a bunch of interesting uh things on it. But the one that struck me as I was rolling through just on YouTube one day, uh was ah oh shit, what was it? It was uh I can't even remember the name right now. Fuck me. I hate getting old, man. <laughs> Anyway. So, so that's really conf so. Mark Mothersbaugh had an album called Music for Insomniacs back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one Matt Berry's is called Music for Insomniacs Part Two. So uh, maybe he's making uh, fun of of know. that. Uh, but he's just got a very idiosyncratic uh, music style. But he's very accomplished. It's very melodic. It's just. It's. It it definitely uh, influenced by like the psych pop of the sixties uh, and some of the funk stuff from the seventies. It's just weird. Like this this guy that we know from all these crazy British comedy shows is is making some actually damn fine music that you can just put on in the background and everything is just kind of ah. So that was my rabbit hole. But uh, there you have it. What we do in the shadow season five? Watch it. That's my friendship. Right. All right. I still need to like make myself get into that because I know I know it's it's got that the office problem where you start watching it and you go, this show sucks, but ah, it eventually yeah. gets good. It's it's like video games these days. You know, after the first 27 <laughs> hours, it starts to get yeah. good. Well, I'll be honest with you, I I hate the office just in general. I'm just an outlier in that regard. Uh, cause that mm -hmm. whole conceit with the film crew, it just irritates the shit out of me, especially yeah. when it went on for like eight seasons 
and it's like come on but with what we do in the shadows i actually don't mind because they actually draw attention to it from time to time and they poke fun of the fact that they're you know doing this film thing that just shouldn't be happening just, maybe uh, so maybe this fine. is just a, a, an age thing or maybe it's a covid eating time thing i don't know but like in my head what we do in the shadows just showed up as a tv show and to hear that there were five goddamn seasons of this thing now it's like oh well i'm not yeah. gonna ever watch that because i'm overwhelmed by the amount of it now it, how just is that my much thing, time my thing was yeah. that the movie was so goddamn good this thing yeah. doesn't compare and so it's like uh, i guess at some point i that's why i'm saying i think i need to watch a lot more of it so that i can start yeah looking at it as its own thing but just having yeah. watched the first couple episodes, I was like, I am bored. Yeah, first season, it's basically just them doing a, a TV version of the movie, more or less, yeah. with just different vampire characters. But once they sort of find their voice from like second season on, it just gets it's, so it's, much it's better. Literally because gets good after the first 10 hours. <laughs> I mean, well, I like the first season. It's still fun, uh, but it it it's sort of, yeah, when you're doing an adaptation of a movie, that's very good you kind of have to tread carefully so they just they're very safe with what they're doing uh but by the second season on they they just figured out how to write for the characters themselves and the actors i think have a little bit more say in what they're doing and it just they they start going off into these just crazy ass directions and just stuff gets so fucking weird and it's just so funny uh but it's all glued by their their little band because they just have such a good rapport among the actors uh, so it's it's fun. And I I did actually start watching some Mighty Boosh uh, a month or two ago. I forgot that he's Dixon nice. Bainbridge. Yeah, it's fun. That and the the IT crowd, the later seasons where he shows mm. up as <laughs> as the boss of the the company, and he's just so <laughs> ridiculous. He's so ridiculous. Uh, I just yeah, I like Matt Berry in just about anything. You're the Rabbit is good too if you can find that. That's hilarious as well. So. Says he was so on the Peter Serafinowitz show, which I need to watch all of. Again, I've only yeah, got yeah. caught clips on YouTube, but I need to look for that. Yeah, that's an underrated uh, show. Oh, God. Peter Serafinowitz has got some good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Kitchen gun. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is like the uber nerdy portion of the show where we talk about stuff. No <laughs> totally. one gives a shit Welcome about. Welcome to yeah. the Anglophile <laughs> podcast. Yes. Uh, um, so there you go. Okay, uh, I'll bring us back down to uh, to Earth. pop schlock. Um, so we're going to do a couple of adaptations to streaming here, and we'll start with the Bell of the Ball this week, uh, which is the Netflix adaptation of the manga anime One Piece. Yeah, um, a lot of people talking about that. Yeah, so people say they're talking about me. This is this is one of those things where like I have no idea about the source material. I just know that a lot Same. of younger people are into it and it's very popular and there's like crap ton of it. Therefore, like what we do in the shadows, I'm not going to bother. So I'm using this as my jumping on point for One Piece. And um, so far, so good. I'm about three episodes into the season. And uh, I have no idea how it fares as an adaptation because I don't know the source material. Probably why you like it. Probably why uh, you like it. Probably. Although it's interesting, I also really liked the live-action Cowboy Bebop that they did. That apparently, oh, like, why got, no one got liked shit it? And, and they <laughs> killed it was it terrible. Instantly. It was so why? terrible. It wasn't they, that bad. They, they, yeah, they didn't know what they were doing with it. Sorry. So <laughs> you, you were familiar with the original then, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everybody, if you everybody don't like... who was familiar with the original hated that, but yeah, I wasn't. Knives so it was out fine. For that show. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, I, is, is it right. that I, reaction? I didn't watch the the, the the Cowboy Bebop. I didn't read the comic. I just kind of knew that that watching everybody getting a scrum over it was far more entertaining I, than that show could be. <laughs> yeah, I got like three episodes into Cowboy Bebop on Netflix, and I just quit because I was just annoyed. But then I felt invested somehow. So then I would go back to it every like three or four weeks. I'd watch an episode and it would just literally, I was like 10 episodes long. I think that season in the last six was me just hate watching it in pieces. <laughs> so I just, cause I had to finish it. But at the same time, I just didn't want to, it was just, ah, I was. Annoyed. So 
One One Piece, our, I guess our protagonist is this plucky kid who's just always dreamed of being a pirate and wants to someday find the treasure, the, to end all treasures, the One Piece, and be the king of the pirates. And he has, like the super positive attitude about piracy and he doesn't really think about like it being crime or stealing or anything else. And he's just like the most always encouraging, positive, happy go lucky guy. And they got this really charismatic guy to play the role and sell that shit because like that, that has to be sold, right? Like (laughs) that could be a really irritating character, but I think they got that's that, they got the right that guy. That sounds like that sounds like our flag means death. Yeah, that's what but that sounds kids. like. Yeah, but with, but with children's, but with and just crazy like fashions and makeup. Like they're really leaning into the anime aesthetic on this thing. The 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 characters are all exaggerated in their costumes and and their looks and their hair and it's uh. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not. I'm three episodes in, and it hasn't got its hooks into me. I think it's got its hooks into the rest of my household more than me. Um, <laughs> but it's it's not bad, and the fan base likes it, so I'm going to stick with it and see how it goes. Okay. Good um, luck. Yeah, but but there you go. Now we can put hashtag One Piece in the uh, in the the show. So that do it was for the clicks, man. Do it yeah, for the clicks. Absolutely. And then take them uh, for the team. The other one that that is on streaming is Good Omens 2. Yeah, I watched that. Again, fell out of the first season of that because I know the book and it's like, give me something else. Well, this the second season is weird because it's, I mean, they've done with the book. So it's just a whole different story that yeah. Yeah. has come up with. But the in fact that, case, that I'm in. Uh, well, the, the fact that... Uh, Oh God, Dave Pratchett is not alive anymore, so he's not involved. You can kind of feel that somewhat. So well, it seems a little. He's a saying little half. that he's yeah. Guyman is saying that that he and Pratchett had outlines for all of this, and that and that even right. a third season would be based on an outline with Pratchett. And you know what? Fine, let the guy who's still alive keep doing it. You know, I'm I don't have a problem with that. But I mean, it's it's, it's gonna, fine, but how, it's lose how far? The Pratchettness, sure. Yeah. But yeah. How far along are you in the second season? Um, about halfway through it. Um Are you annoyed with the extremely long flashback scenes? No. Between, no. It's a lot of uh, fun, actually. Um okay. so our our season starts with a mystery. The the Archangel Gabriel has shown up in uh Aziraphale's bookshop and has no memory of who he is or anything else and nobody knows where Gabriel is so both heaven and hell are on the hunt for Gabriel and they're trying to hide him um but yeah we keep flashing back to different points in history and learning about stuff that that our our heroes played by Michael Sheen and David Tennant experienced along the way and I, I I find those to be hilarious, especially because the costuming is so damn good. Like David Tennant continues to be awesome, and all of the various incarnation of David Tennant's demon character throughout history are just dapper. I think the as two fuck. of them is such brilliant casting. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, Michael I mean, Sheen good is, yeah. is so 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 good. <laughs> My the favorite man, thing though is uh, is watching Tennant uh as Crowley. He's just he's as an actor choice, he's decided to create this like uh walking gate that Crowley has very specific. Uh mm-hmm. and he's he, whether he's in like had broken into heaven or if he's in a different part of history wearing the clothes, he's always <laughs> walking that Crowley <laughs> walk and it just kills me because it's just such a an actually thing to do that uh most normal people wouldn't even consider and he's just made that all part of the package and it just really makes me laugh every time i see him do it because it's just like this loping sort of i'm cool but whatever kind of thing it's just goofy which is how he's written i mean the book that yeah. you, you get the sense that he's cooler than all the other demons too oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah but when he's doing it in like a like a robe in like the middle east pre-jesus i mean it's just silly <laughs> you know what i mean he's not wearing the leather coat and the whole thing so it's yeah. just fun 
You know, you make me realize that's probably why I went back to the book years later and did not enjoy it. And I think I realize now it's because all of the characters are so great. The story itself is okay, but it needed sequels. It was like that book was just the first part in what should have been a bunch. And right. now that you talk about them outlining like second and third parts, I'm like, God damn it. That's what I wish. I wish there were more good omens books. Well, part of the problem too, is just the way Gaiman writes like the, the adaptation of uh, American gods. I didn't really enjoy mm. for the same reason. It just sort of, the book is so dense and so interesting. Yeah. And when you actually see it on film, it's just like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you get it. And you then take the narrative voice away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like everything is sort of spelled out for you because they've actually had this book for the film. Kind of makes sense. The same why with, most Neil Gaiman adaptations, they end up using Neil Gaiman doing a voiceover of it so they can write out and say, right. hey, you remember that part that <laughs> yeah. was so cool, which it's is like his voice. Yeah. Well, here's his voice. It's like Douglas <laughs> Adams, right? Like you can't, adapting exactly. Douglas Adams without without a narrator is not going to work. Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was the same with Sandman as well. I just sort of, there's just some ingredient missing. You know what I mean? Sandman, I think, was probably the most successful as an adaptation, probably because it came from a comic, you know, or a graphic novel. So it was like right. easier to <laughs> to adapt. I really loved that right. one. I, I love can't that, get enough of Sandman. I love that you can only say graphic novel in the Batman voice. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, because it was probably the first one he ever read was Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. You know, right. And you can't see, you can't quite see me doing it. I'm not doing it as Batman. I'm doing it as the comic book nerd from The Simpsons doing Batman, saying <laughs> graphic novel, graphic novel, <laughs> worst, yeah. worst Batman impression. I prefer you to Radioactive Man number forty-two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so oh, you're enjoying it, hey Brian? I am. I'm enjoying it. Okay. And I mean, it's not bad. It's just, I don't know. I felt sort of tepid towards it overall. It was a good way to kill time and it was enjoyable, but at the same time, I didn't go gaga. I mean, at this point, I'm just all in for anything with Tenant and Sheen in it, I think, you know, so. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. Anyway. I mean, the story of the friendship is very sweet. Uh, I enjoy that little linchpin and they kind of expound on that a little bit more. So it's it's not all bad. Good Omens too. It's not all bad. That's our review. Uh, Brian on, liked it. That's all you need. On with the show. Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, where Senator Ted Cruz creates a bunch of robot women. <laughs> I mean, is it just me? It looked like he looked like Ted Cruz. And, and it made. And then I kept thinking of like uh, Vincent Price going. If 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 Biden wants us to only drink two beers a week, he can kiss my ass. You know, it, uh. it, it's like if, if Vincent Price I, was still alive, I'm, he would play the cringe lord himself and it would be so awesome. I'm, I'm uh. sorry. I find I find Vincent Price far more watchable and handsome than <laughs> I will ever find. Ted Cruz. That's why I mean an actor playing. Yeah, Ted okay, Cruz. But yeah, that, no. he, they both have that weird cheesy beard that looks like they just sort of put glue on their face and then rolled around the floor of a barbershop. Just that horrible, <laughs> grimy kind of ick beard. Anyway, I that mean, was the first thing I thought. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's let's do a, a synopsis of why this movie is what it is. Yes. Like, can you tell us what it's about? Dr. So, Doctor Goldfoot develops a series of hot uh, uh, female robots who go around finding rich men to marry them and then sign over all their assets to Doctor Goldfoot so that he will get everybody's money. And yeah. he does this to Dwayne Hickman of uh, Dobie Gillis fame, who is a rich guy who signs over his stuff because he marries. Uh, I can't remember a the actress's name. Yeah. A yeah. fembot. Yeah. Susan a, Hart. a fembot, Susan Hart, who accidentally thought that uh, Frankie Valley was Frankie Valley. Avalon. <laughs> Frankie Avalon. Avalon. Frankie Avalon was the rich guy. <laughs> so Frankie Avalon is obsessed with this robot. And so when the robot starts trying to get Dobie Gillis, the two team up to, you know, fight well, Dr. Goldfoot and and his his evil ways of making cash with robots 
that you yeah. think he's already rich in order to develop. But well, don't anyway, forget that, uh, that has, uh, Frankie Avalon. That... <clears throat> Go ahead. As a, don't forget Frankie Avalon is a spy that works for Central Intelligence Command. Ah, so he's yeah. a sick, no, he's a a sick, sick man. man. Secret Intelligence Command, which yeah, puts a sign outside their offices that says Secret Intelligence <laughs> <Yeah>. Command. <laughs> and they keep yeah. saying, I'm a sick man. That was their joke. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's it's that mid 60s ridiculousness. It it uh yeah, it, it flows like an episode of the original Batman. It's directed by a guy who made nine Elvis movies <laughs> and a bunch of beach blanket bingo movies. Well, it's and the, so uh, silly. the Mark and the Martin and Lewis films from the 50s. Don't forget. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I did not know this existed at all until the podcast. Really? Until really, you guys are like, we're doing <laughs> Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, and I'm like, okay, you know, so, so you made that shit we're up. Just That's what you go first in and thought, do right? This. And, and then it's like, okay, Vincent Price and Dobie Gillis and Frankie Avalon, and the theme song is sung by the goddamn Supremes. Yeah, Doctor Goldfoot. Like, oh, here's the other thing, Brian. Uh, yeah. The the opening title sequence that claymation shit uh, that's done by the guy that did Gumby. So there's a yeah. lot going on so here. This thing is punching yeah. so far above its weight. This is 1965, and this got made. And I'm it's, like, yeah. what the fuck is this? And it's a thing that's of its time so yeah. much that it doesn't really exist now. It ha it has no staying power. It doesn't make it necessarily bad, but it's definitely something that belongs the year it came out. Well, and it, it's, well, it's full of sight gags and pratfalls, right? Like there's a whole bunch of like physical comedy that I think is still sort of a holdover from stage theater or something like early on. There's a, there's a bit where, um, you know, the, the fembot has been, uh, confused and is trying to seduce Frankie Avalon in his shitty apartment. And when she gets the directive to leave and she leaves, there's this whole bit where like he gets confused and he falls on his bed and the bed is one of those beds that folds up and against the wall, bed, yeah. a Murphy bed, and then into the closet and the whole thing shuts. And, and that happens. And my wife is like, I love the gags in this movie. And this movie is full of that kind of gag. Did she right. like it when uh, when the fembot was walking down the street at the beginning and runs into the jewel store robbery and gets shot a bunch of times? Yeah, and, and then doesn't milk. die, and then yeah. drinks milk in the cafeteria of Frankie Avalon, and suddenly it's like like yeah. like milk yeah, spurting out all over. Yeah. It's the silliest. And Frankie shit. Avalon's just not like yeah, and Avalon's they're just looking all, at her like, oh, that's normal. They're all cartoon gags. It's like they yes. they were making a Warner Brothers cartoon live action. Yes, very much well, so. Frankie well, Avalon, who was immediately like disappointing his girlfriend, and as soon as she walks out the restaurant, within thirty seconds, is hitting on the fin. But yeah, good job, Frankie I mean, Avalon. But well, anyway. I mean, that's just the vibe that because that's the American International Pictures is the company that made it, and they did all of the beach movies. Yeah, and so if you look at the year this came out, nineteen sixty-five. I I just looked it up because I was curious. Uh, in nineteen sixty-five alone, just for the beach party movies, they did Beach Blanket Bingo, Ski Party. How to Stuff a Wild Bikini, Sergeant Deadhead, and Dr. Goldfoot. And all of them uh, starred Frankie, except for Jesus. How to Stuff a Wild Bikini, I think. So he did like five movies <laughs> in yeah. one year, <laughs> which explains they, the quality. They also made a lot of those Edgar Allan Poe movies, which is why yes. you have him doing Pit and the Pendulum. And they have actual footage from the Pit and the Pendulum yeah. in this. <laughs> yeah, because you could, because it's the and same Probably same every prop. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also if you look at it, it's just really uh I mean it's muted. It's but it's still kind of gross when you think about the the way that they treat <laughs> in this oh, one. It's, it's just like it's they're just like sex robots basically. Yeah, it's so it's so bad. It's in so baked in. In that but in that way it's okay because they're not women, they're sex robots. So that's okay. Yeah. Which is why you can have extended scenes with Vincent Price standing in a room with like a dozen women in bikinis just yeah, standing there who are, in who bikinis are like, like do not fuck oh hello okay hello? uh zoom crashed we're recording again let's hope for the best yeah so okay. the women are just like do not move do not emote do not speak just stand there you are scenery right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's the same as the, the actual beach movies it's literally just you know the stars doing their thing and then in the background is just a bunch of kids and the, in bathing suits you and, know and then I mean? at one point they start like doing the go-go dancing and all of that right and yeah. and so like about 
maybe 20 minutes later, I turn to my wife and say, no one has broke out in spontaneous go-go dancing in quite a while. And I feel like we're overdue. <laughs> yeah. Boing. Yeah. I, uh, I thought that, and that, that again made me think of uh, the Simpsons when they talk about the, the, their, their in-universe Batman and, you know, everyone starts go-go dancing in that. And, yeah. and Vincent, only in this time, it's Vincent Price who's in the middle of it going, all of you people stop that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is not a good thing. No. Uh, it's just, yeah, the whole, I mean, it, it doesn't really even make sense to try to explain the plot because it doesn't have much of one. It's just a bunch of hijinks centered yeah. around them sneaking into the, the lair of Dr. Goldfoot, which is like a, a dungeon. So it's literally repurposed sets from the... <laughs> from the the other movies like you'd said the poe movies uh and it's just you know here's our shenanigans the thing that always bugs me is that his assistant in this i igor uh is played by an actor named jack Mullaney, who looks almost exactly like uh bob denver and <laughs> and bob denver as you know was in dobie gillis with Dwayne hickman so it's always just kind of freaks me <laughs> when he shows up because i always think it's bob denver for just a split second even though i know it's not and it throws which would have worked uh yeah. yeah i don't know yeah this is this is a movie that's i guess what 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 tarantino would call a hangout movie you don't really sit down to watch and enjoy it you sit down and have it on and yeah it's got mm -hmm. like some interesting gags it's got it's got a car chase with a, a trolley in the end. I oh, my God. That. A trolley yeah. and a boat on a trailer and a mini scooter. Yeah. And my, uh, my wife is like, it. that's not how trolleys work. They don't just leave the track. Yeah. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. I mean, or the fact that they it's they, no worse they like, than it's no worse than Avengers Age of Ultron, where a Japanese yeah. train goes off the rails and continues to propel forward for several miles. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what I love most about it, and it's it it falls in line with like the Disney live action stuff as well and whatever. It's just of the era, but it's like you're not doing it right unless you have the back screen of the yeah yeah the background moving by, and then an obvious like they're just on like some sort of uh, hobby horse thing for the camera <laughs> and they're yeah. obviously not doing what they're doing in real life oh. and that is literally the entire 30 minute chase at the end what, what <laughs> i love is the points at which cars explode and so it's just car with an explosion in front of it you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it's during nuts. that chase scene not only does it go on forever but they yeah. literally like cover the same street twice like the street they go down at the beginning is one of the streets they're going down towards the end well holland yeah Oh, no, well, no. oh, oh Lomb and Lombard Street. Lombard well, Street. That's I wasn't even thinking it, yeah. about Lombard. It was like a straight down by the wharf. But yeah, the Lombard Street footage is how the, the movie begins with this like, hey, we've got establishing shots of San Francisco. Would you like to see some more establishing shots of San Francisco? This movie, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Stock footage? It's, yeah, San, but that no, might, the, San Francisco. That might, yeah. that might be the one timeless aspect of this film is that <laughs> it is such an amazing travel log of 1965 just the cars the the mm. clothes and and all, all of this actual real time I, I was watching that going oh shit that's where that's where i threw up and passed out at toby's wedding on <laughs> oh, right there at that wharf i yeah. think i think that's the street that they drove down twice yes <laughs> yeah. uh well to me watching this again and i'll be honest with you i've probably seen this a good uh six or eight times in my life uh so i am no stranger wow. to dr goldfoot wow. uh well i mean it's the it's part of the beach movies they're just like if they're on i'll just watch i'll turn my brain off and i will just watch uh like i also watched ski party this weekend which is like Dwayne hickman and frankie avalon in the mountains instead of the beach and it's like a some like it hot uh riff okay. so for they... all the grief i get for the basic <laughs> pop shit i watched you watched what? How many times? What? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think you've proven my point, sir. I think you've proven my point. Uh, so yeah, but but you get you get through all these shenanigans, and it's like Vincent Price just—I don't know—being Vincent Price, I feel kind of bad for him in this because he doesn't really get anything to do. He just basically presses buttons and yells. Oh, at his he assistants. is having a ball. Are you kidding? It's that's the one. That's that's yeah. one thing that. 
makes it all kind of worthwhile is watching how much fun these people are having making this movie. And Vincent Price is like, I don't have to be an asshole this time. I could just be a goofball. It's <laughs> I mean, it's weird, but it's all part and parcel with like the other beach movies where famous people showed up uh, and did their their bit. Their cameos. Uh, but I just but I like Dr. Goldfoot because it not only makes fun of the beach movies that American International was doing at the time, but it it incorporates the james bond nonsense of the time sure uh, i mean it's just this weird pastiche but when eric brought this one up i think the first thing you said brian was uh the fembots from austin powers and it's no, I definitely think that was eric that was trying to sell was it, it to eric? Me. yeah it was yeah. one of you uh and that's definitely true i could just totally see mike myers just watching this Adam oh, yeah. as a kid sure. and going oh i'm gonna i'm gonna use that one day and then of course we... you get the fembots were we also well, we we had a, like a discussion once about how uh, in like Flint and the Flint movies show up in the Austin Power movies too. Oh, it's God. like he I really those, knows yeah. the landscape of these you know these crazy nineteen sixties not James Bond James Bond movies. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm steeped in them from a from childhood. Fuck yeah, just, like the design of them, which is nuts. Uh, but this one, I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's the this one of the later movies for Norman Tarog, who, like Eric said, had done all of the Elvis movies from the sixties, which are just and was so shitty. The youngest, <laughs> the youngest winner of an Academy Award for Best Director up until yeah. uh, La La Land, which I only found that out in in Wikipedia. But like this fucker has an Academy Award. Yeah, it's crazy. And if you if you look at like his uh, filmography, it's just he's worked with some of the biggest stars. Mm -hmm. in hollywood for the last decades and then he winds up doing this thing which is just a total like goof it's a lark it's 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 just a hollow centered candy nougat thing it's just like it's so dumb which i have uh, to imagine was a bigger deal when it came out than it seems now because like well, now it's 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 like yeah total video store back of the yeah back of the room kind of nobody's going to rent this schlock but at the time it, it it had a pretty big release i mean if mgm picked it up in the mid 60s I mean, again just just the the sheer pedigree of the people that are involved you know it's like they they meant business you know yeah yeah i i don't it's know just, it's it's what's so I don't, and maybe it's just because the passing of time, right? Like this is this is pre counterculture. This is like the beginnings of the counterculture time, right? Like it's sixty five. Mm -hmm. Like you start to see it showing up, right? But it's not quite here. But um, I mean, for for being a movie called you know the Bikini Machine, like it's pretty tame, you know. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the American um, International thing for this. The beach party movies though they're yeah. always very chaste and they always had enough of the girls in bikinis to make it a little bit naughty but at the same time it was definitely nothing uh that we were seeing like the 70s it's yeah. just it's just cheeky it's for like for for middle-aged middle-aged married men to sneak out of the house on an afternoon so they can get a little bit of titillation <laughs> is kind that of what thing, it's you know for what I, mean? I don't know what it's for i was trying maybe to figure out who dude, maybe that's her. what started the counterculture because this is a movie where you know you have uh, women being treated, you know, as objects because they are literally objects, uh, yeah. and 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 guys who just are running around with these enormous erections trying to fuck them. But we have to get married first. Yeah, you know, always. Have but to get we have to get first. married first. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the, the counterculture started when people said, "Why don't we just fuck?" Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, they're definitely not like geared towards the actual demographic you think of because the teenagers because the songs are fucking terrible yeah like the theme song to dr goldfoot and the bikini machine by the supremes is probably the, the best supremes. compared compared to like beach blanket bingo but all the songs they sing in the movies are just like they're for old people it's just astonishing to me it's so it's just a weird yeah. weird bag somebody yeah, went to barry gordy and said look i'll hand you like a bucket of money if you can get us something by tuesday i'm sure that's how it happened <laughs> and you get this which yeah. is weird and i didn't i forgot about that until i was looking into this uh prep for this episode but there was like a an episode of uh 
I can't remember what it was called, like uh, Shindig or some shit, one of those music shows from the era. And they Mm -hmm. basically took it over for the 30 minutes and did a whole tie in (laughs) with Dr. Goldfoot and Vincent Price shows up and they have like uh, Harvey Lembeck uh, appears as like his assistant. And they like basically do like a mini version of uh, (laughs) Dr. Goldfoot, but without Frankie Avalon with like a different. It's so obnoxious. (laughs) And then they do they do a couple of musical numbers that are just atrocious and it's just like oh my god tv in 1965 was fucking terrible it's like well this movie is kind of a variety show in movie form right but yeah, yeah, yeah. um oh boy okay have you have you uh got any inkling to to see the sequel dr goldfoot and the girl poems i i mean i'm gonna have to be drunk I mean, I would tell you gags because that's pretty much what we're in for. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you this. You definitely need to be not sober because it's a very European centric production. Oh, like doctor, like spoiler, Dr. Goldfoot and his assistant uh, die at the end of the bikini machine. Oh, because they 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 crash their car onto a beach that's being used by the Navy to test missiles. Because you so know they just how get... they test missiles right next to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so he's dead, and in the sequel, well, no, at the, sh- at the very end, we're all on an airplane, and then the pilot is Doctor Goldfoot, and the co-pilot is Igor, and they're whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. and oh, that's right. as they that's did right. that, I turned to my wife and say, "The end," and then the words come up, "The yeah. end" with yeah. the question mark on because they like, knew oh, they had a hit. Oh god, they knew they had a hit. Yeah. But the sequel like takes place all in Europe, like around Rome. It's directed by none other than Mario Bava, who, if you watch any of like the old uh classic horror stuff i mean this is the the dude uh very <laughs> influential and he did stuff like black sunday for i think american international uh black sabbath i mean he's just done a shit ton of stuff but he also the the one he did after girl bombs is called danger diabolic uh which if you haven't watched that i recommend highly because it's john philip law as like a futuristic spot like spy thief whatever and it's just crazy 60 psychedelica but the fact that he did the girl bombs and there's literally like n- no plot again fabian shows up instead of frankie avalon there's these two italian comedians who are sort of like keystone copping it through the entire fucking thing it just it's terrible and it's very european <laughs> uh in its execution down to like the, the really shitty uh voiceover dubs because the actors are speaking in Italian. Oh boy. It's just it's just uh it's a slog, I will tell you. And it literally the same thing like the last 30 minutes is them like chasing <laughs> Dr. Goldfoot from a balloon and it's like shenanigans. It's just like what in the fuck am I watching? It's literally literally all I can tell you. So if you ever uh want something to occupy your time while you're having a few beers oh, or whatever what you've told me is there are lots of great options that are not dr goldfoot and the girl <laughs> yes yeah, let's just me. say let's just say that this the sequel uh killed any uh possibility of uh future dr goldfoot movies wow i'll just say that now which i know yeah. is hard to understand watching the bikini machine because you look at that and you think man they could spin this into like 10 movies easy easy right i think it's I just I I had to look it up on on Wikipedia because you're talking about it, and I guess when it came out in Italy, the spy Vengono del Semifredo, which means the spies who came in from the cold. Right, I mean, you're not even trying at that point. Oh no, <laughs> they're just calling the, it another spy movie. Yeah, the the two knuckleheads that are the comic relief are a couple of Italian comedians, and they get literally all of the the movie put on their shoulders. You could tell they were pushing it for the European market. And it's night and day compared to Bikini Machine because Bikini Machine is definitely made for the American crowd. (laughs) So it's like two different movies entirely. Is the second Uh, one even fun? uh, I mean, that's a no. Your your definition (laughs) of fun. That's a no. Uh, I mean, it's still girls in bikinis and shit. So, I mean, take that for what you will. I've got to watch this. I've got to watch it now. I mean, just. Oh, yeah. Just, 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 I mean, just for what sounds like a complete mirror universe version of the first one. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely if you want to be a completist, you have to watch Doctor Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs. 
<laughs> but just but seeing its influence uh, later on and stuff like Austin Powers is what's really fascinating to me because it's like the fanbots are just a straight up ripoff of this shit, and it just astonishes me that uh, I didn't oh, recognize it at the time. Franco and Ciccio. Yeah, it, they're those like guys. a comedy duo in Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I said. Thanks, those I guys. I didn't know. Okay. Oh. Yeah, uh, I guess I got to check this out. Oh if boy. you want to watch this, if anybody wants to like watch this dumb shit, like the the more dumb shit we review is on a site called archive.org and you can watch like complete movies uh for free. Just 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 do a Google search for archive.org and then the you know, the title you're looking for and it's probably on there. Yeah. So do I that mean, you know. and then reach out to us and see if you can get us to do a show about it. Yeah, I mean, can... go ahead. I mean, if I was to say, if you look at the 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 movie itself, uh, like I'm reading here, that the the box office was moderate, uh, but it did quite well in Europe, particularly in Italy. So maybe that's why they did the, the mm. girl bombs the way they did. Mm. I don't know. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Give the people what they want. <laughs> but the only review I can find is. Uh, from the los angeles times it says the uh, bikini machine has enough fresh amusing gags to make it entertaining price is splendid so <laughs> there you go <laughs> that's high right. praise indeed high praise indeed so as i was but saying you- if you want to if you want to suggest a, a cheesy movie on archive.org to us then we can do a future podcast uh right to i've us. probably seen it but yeah yeah go cool it's true and he's probably seen like all the ancillary things that everybody in the movie has seen just ignore chris and send us an email <laughs> magnificently huge at gmail.com or go to our website maghuge.com m-a-g-h-u-g-e.com and you'll find links to all our socials try to hit us up there and then subscribe to the podcast so you can hear us talk about your dumbass movie uh, and then you can share it on your social media feeds with your friends and that's how the podcast works. So, yeah, that's our show. Because it's Dr. Goldfoot and the bikini machine. I'm going to say that over and over again. Dr. Goldfoot and the bikini machine. I'm totally hey, just letting that play a cappella after the show ends. <laughs>